2: Welcome to Star Talk All Stars. I'm your All-Star host of the evening, Bill Nye. And I'm here with my co-host, the remarkable and exciting Chuck Nice. Hey, Bill. And on this episode of All Stars Chuck, we're yes. talking about planetary defense. Nice. Defending
1: the Earth. I did not know that we need defending. From our asteroid. Are they are they defending our honor? No, it's asteroids. It's just asteroids and comets. So, the, okay, and comets. Yeah, which
2: right. are in some level are hard to distinguish. But yeah. the universe is a hostile place. Can be. Yeah. So there is no evidence whatsoever that the ancient dinosaurs had a space program.
1: Yeah. And it was hard on them. Is that because they didn't have opposable thumbs? Well, their hands were, their arms are so short. Just tiny, on tiny, them. tiny arms. <laughs> on some of them. But, I, uh, would too, I would try, but I can't reach it. So, but they
2: may have, I'm not joking. Maybe they did have a space program, but it didn't show up in the fossil record.
1: Right. So, so now, when you think about that, uh, let me just ask you since. Please. Since. Um, we know that that was an event that happened, right? Because you know they look at the layers in the earth. And you they, got
2: yes, Chuck. Right? You're such a nerd. I love you. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> so layer of iridium. A layer of iridium. Atomic so. number. Uh, oh, I don't know. Seventy-seven. There you go. And so
2: seventy-seven is an odd number. It's not that common. So when you find
1: it, and so on and so on. Right. Um, so here's here's what I uh, the following I, thing following thing that I read uh, that. That it basically, uh, when we had this cataclysmic collision, right, then up comes up comes all this detritus. It's superheated, and then it just rains fire and destroys everything. Is that accurate? Well, yeah. So they, they,
2: they we, it, astronomers speculate that the cone uh-huh. of the ejecta Oh the ejected material yeah is bigger around than the diameter of the earth so gravity pulled it into a big ring of fire or sphere of fire right and it was very troublesome
1: <laughs> so oh, when you understate things, <laughs> so when the the
2: only animals that made it through were
1: underground, they were underground animals, yeah. Yeah. and or mostly underground, right? Or so maybe you're a descendant of some subterranean, subterranean little thing that crawled up to the surface after everything. Or was, scurried, or scurried up. Oh, yes, yeah. In my uh, case, probably scurried,
2: spry, right. Spryly, right.
1: yeah, very athletically bounded to the surface. Or, or could have been could have been like cave dwelling animals at the same yeah yeah, time. yeah. those yeah. those sure. oh yeah. yeah I'm an expert on cave dwelling. It could be. It's very reasonable, yes. <laughs> okay, cool. As, I mean, it's a fascinating... Uh, oh, man,
2: it's amazing. So when I was in second grade, Mrs. McGonigal reads to us from a big book. Uh, well, the only the reason the ancient dinosaurs died is they had small brains...
1: Which is just Isn't lame. that crazy? Because you have heard people say... People still say that today. Well, the reason they died off is because they weren't intelligent creatures. They had tiny brains, and so they couldn't adapt. So make a joke there about what? My old boss.
2: Right there. <laughs> but he was alive. So uh, what I'm saying is it was in my lifetime that this discovery was made. 1980, oh. 1983 that uh, people discovered this layer of iridium, which is almost certainly from an ancient asteroid, which is almost certainly the ancient asteroid that finished off the ancient dinosaurs. They may have been having trouble with vul- volcanism. Mm. S- sulfur being pumped into the sky from volcanoes in what is now India. Right. Where these tectonic plates are colliding. But they were finished off by a big rock from the sky, or group of rocks from the sky. Nice.
1: Man. God. Wow. I mean, it's it's... It's exciting and fascinating, and at the same time, it's kind of scary. Yes, we don't want it
2: to happen again. Yeah, so what we want to do is deflect an asteroid if it starts <laughs> coming toward us. Because it happened once. Yes. It could happen Well, I it guess. turns out the Earth, there's all sorts of impact craters, if you know what you're looking for.
1: Right. So you look at the moon. I was going to say, and the moon, God, what a- you Look at Mars. a beautiful little snapshot it's you have a there. crater festival. Right. So um,
2: it's very reasonable that the same number of impacts per square meter, kilometer happened here- But the Earth has all these processes. We have tectonic plates, (laughs) grinding. (laughs) We have rain, snow, wind. And so these craters get erased over millennia. Right. So um, what we want to do is detect all the Earth-crossing asteroids that have the potential to hit us. And then if we find one, it is to be hoped 30 years out. Mm -hmm. And we could send out the right spacecraft and give it a little...
1: Nice. Except it's in space. There's no sound. It's just. That was, just... There, that was yeah. it. That was yeah. the sound. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure out some more weather related events I can bring up now. The so, sound effects. <laughs> so I can get you to do those sounds. Can you effect. do the thunderstorm? Thunder. The thunder. Uh, let me see. That's pretty good, Dad. That's very good. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. Okay. All right, so, uh, All right, so we've got our Cosmic Queries, really the
1: sound effect, Star Talk Sound Effects Show. <laughs> Maybe that's coming. The Sound Effects Fest. Coming to start talk very soon. Uh, we've got our cosmic queries. Uh, of course, we've gleaned these questions from all over the internet and uh, all over the cosmos. All over the cosmos. You're... You
2: can be on Betelgeuse in orbit around Betelgeuse if you can get us a query. <laughs> we will onto the internet, roughly in English. We'll. We can. There you go. If it comes in in Babeljucean, and we can go to Google Translate. Yeah, we're in for you, man. We are here for you. And <laughs> I say, man, it could be entity. Uh, and, uh, right. <clears throat> we're here for you, entity or alien. That's right. Matt went with entity. Yeah, there you go. Uh
1: well, this is what Paul Sykes says. Um, Mike, I, I, Chuck, yes, I Paul. Oh, you know what? Steve? Let's go with Chris. <laughs> Chris, Chris, Chris well, you know, we always start with a Patreon question, and the reason why we start with a Patreon question is because those people support us directly.
2: Directly, they are they are patrons.
1: They are patrons. Of Star
2: they, Talk. They are infused. love you. Cash directly. So yes, you to can us. buy your way onto this
1: show. Boom, that's it. That's a, what Doctor Nice is that's telling. That's exactly right. You can buy your way onto this show. You know, and uh, you know what? Speaking of buying our hearts, you can also uh, support us on StarTalkAllAccess.com. Uh, Make a subscription, and uh, you will be supporting the show directly that way as well. And we shall forever love you. Way to go, person out there, entity. (laughs) Read the question, Chuck. Here's the question, Chuck. Here we go. Uh, uh, Bill, do you believe the biggest threat to humanity is from asteroids, or is it from humanity? Oh, from us right now.
2: I mean, humans are the big problem. There's a lot of us breathing and burning the same atmosphere, and right now... The world's most influential democracy is run by people who say they don't believe in human-caused climate change. Mm-hmm. I got a feeling that when shoving and pushing comes to shove, that they'll change. But right now, it's very troubling. So, yes, humans are the biggest problem. However, one rock from outer space at 11 kilometers a second is a very low-probability event but very high consequence event. So true. You seldom get in a car wreck, but when you do,
1: it sucks. Yeah, exactly, right.
2: seldom get hit with an asteroid, but when you do, man,
1: whoa, man... You can't you can't, can't call store, State Farm or dry, no or Allstate or no yes. You can't Farmers, call those guys. Any right. of
2: those guys, right?
1: Boom, 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 boom. Whatever that. Yeah, hey, that what you was it. Do. That is yeah. oh, could clearly a very effective ad campaign. Uh, here's uh, Brittany Mencati. and Brittany. What, what did did she do to anger you, <laughs> or just make you fill you with passion, Mencati. Men- because I think it's probably Minkati. It is Minkati. Uh, Brittany Minkati says this. Hey, uh, Bill. Chuck. (laughs) Brittany. Uh, I'm a psychology student at the University of Kentucky. Right on. Oh, cats. I was wondering, if money was not an issue, what would be the very best planetary defense given our current technology? Uh, Two things. Go
2: ahead. Invest in a spacecraft... Uh, that would be the next to follow on to, well, there's one called Neo-Wise. Okay. The next spacecraft to look for asteroids. And as the saying goes, finding an asteroid is like looking for
1: a charcoal briquette in the dark. Ah, I gotcha. It's difficult. I gotcha. But you can do it. Or like finding Chuck nice at night when he's not smiling. Uh, I let you make that joke. Yes, but, I, uh, <laughs> uh, but I'm familiar with it. I love it. And Bill was just like, "Okay, and good for well, you." I, well, and I'm not I, going I was there. Up, not yeah. going to go with you. You're not going to drag me down that rabbit hole, Chuck.
2: <laughs> well, you can do. You guys. You can make that such and, a joke. So I can't. Right. Exactly. I was brought up in Washington D.C. Okay. Many years ago, when it really was a nice. Southern racist town, <laughs> and I've heard a lot of that.
1: But I, right. I do my best. Uh, but see, that's live because my life. that's because you are a great human being, okay, and you I'm okay. know, you know the difference between a joke. And the fact that, okay, I know he's joking, and a joke, and, well, if I say it, it's still offensive because I'm saying it. See, so, you know, I I, I get what you're saying, though. I I have a great deal of respect for you for that. I'm playing
2: the hand I'm dealt here. People are more alike than they are different. This is true. Now, the other part of the... Planetary defense thing that we have to deal with or okay. to come up with. The first one is detecting a asteroids. So that's the spaceship. Second thing is the spaceship.
1: Okay. So the first uh, thing is
2: detection. And detection is probably best done with a spacecraft that's about three-quarters of an astronomical unit from the sun. That's about the same distance from the sun as Venus. Okay. However, what would be styling is if you had it... Um, with a solar sail so it could go around slowly. Sweet. That would be pretty styling. Mm. And then you'd look for all these asteroids that are uh, in the infrared. So here's the thing. Even if it's a charcoal briquette in the dark,
0: mm-hmm.
2: Chuck Nice joke <laughs> inserted here, uh, it still glows in the infrared. Right. As do you, by the way.
1: Uh, yes, yes.
2: So it's like I can I, I can it's... distinguish you yes, from you asteroids. Can... do yeah. I saw the movie Predator. Uh, uh, so... You can see the asteroid in the infrared. They glow at about 150 kelvins. Okay. And that's 150 Celsius degrees above absolute zero. So with the right detector, you can detect. And then uh, that spacecraft would assay or keep track of all these asteroids. And then we'd build a spacecraft to give one of them a nudge. And that would be, this is all kind of existing technology, everybody. But she said, Brittany said, unlimited Cash. Unlimited cash. Doesn't yeah. make a
1: difference. We so can do we could whatever do, I mean, we want. For
2: $450 million, $500 million, we could do the spacecraft, the uh, detector. And then for, uh, give me another number, uh, $5 billion, we could build a deflector spacecraft.
1: You know, I have to tell you, with as much money as we waste on other things, that is not a bad
2: well saving the Earth from yeah, death of everyone, exactly. control alt delete for all humankind,
1: yeah, yeah. that's well yeah, it's worth not, it not that's kind of worth it
2: but all right. I've been at that fancy thing, the Ted talk, yeah, thing, yeah, and I mentioned this asteroid problem, and people laugh <laughs> hit with an asteroid. <laughs> But if it happened, it would really suck, Chuck.
1: Yes, it, it would. It Would be a bad old thing. And the funny thing is, people do laugh, and there's been several uh, major motion pictures made about it. And people, you know, they, they look at it as folly. But what I always say is, it's already happened, dude. Right, dudette. what what don't you get about that? No, no. so this is it's you already know. happened. And by the way, in general,
2: there is no business case. For a commercial company to make an asteroid deflector. Yeah. yeah. There's just, yeah. there isn't a reason to do it. Yeah,
1: I don't see a lot of profit in that.
2: Yeah, however, people do try to raise money to observe asteroids, but that's different from building a spacecraft with no one to sell it to. Right. Cool. So what if you were?
0: Yes. What if you were an entrepreneur
2: so wealthy that you built your own spacecraft and then... You threatened to not use it unless, unless <laughs> they, they, paid. they paid you.
1: <laughs> that is so delightfully
2: evil. But it's just that's, unlikely because what is. is the guy,
1: yeah, that's a the long gal, gamble. want himself to get, herself to get destroyed too? Well, no, that's because you know you, know you have an evil layer that's also sat uh, that's, that's um, also orbiting resistant. the earth. Right. Oh, it's orbiting I, the it's earth. Orbiting the earth. So you can it. escape to your way evil above layer. Me. Yeah, yeah. You're thinking. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Nelson Saw. Nelson Saw says, what's as soon as we can detect, uh, detect a likely collision, and what could we do about it in that time frame?
2: Well, everybody wants 30 years. That's what people want. Whoa, that long? Yeah, so you deflect the asteroid. I mean, you detect the asteroid, and then you have 10 years to build the spacecraft, and then 20 years out there <laughs> with the spacecraft just gently. <sighs> except in space, there's no sound. On the asteroids, right. giving it a little nudge. <laughs> it's a little nudge. And so, astronaut Ed oh, Liu, oh, uh, who runs the B612 Foundation, which is named after the asteroid that uh, the little prince lives on, and is an acquaintance of mine and is a Cornelian, has a patent on the space tractor. Ah. This is a spacecraft that is so massive. How massive is it? Its own gravity would me, would pull the asteroid of off course Just ever so. Slightly. And that's all you ever need. Ever so. Exactly. That's all you, need. That's all you need. So <laughs> need. So it doesn't cross the Earth's orbit when we're there. Right. Wow. Cross the Earth's orbit, just not while the
1: Earth's there. Just not we're there. Right. Exactly. exactly. How um, hard could it be? Yeah, exactly.
2: It's rocket science, people.
1: Nice. Nice. That's excellent. That's you. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, let's go to Sean Harris. Um, Sean. Sean says, "What policies or plans are currently in place to detect incoming threats from asteroids? Is there a foolproof plan to eliminate those threats and avoid death and destruction here on the Earth's surface?" We caution you, Sean, against anybody ever who tells you it's foolproof. Ooh,
2: yeah. We just, but I know what you're driving at. Uh, no, there's we have this NEOwise spacecraft, NEOwise two, that are measuring asteroids. Uh, and there are trajectories, but it's not foolproof. And the more of that we do, the better. Does that answer the question? Yeah, that uh, could no, do more. You could do more. But uh, by the way, all the money cool. that's spent in space is spent on Earth. This would be a worthy use of our intellect and treasure, people.
1: Ah, so true. Make me come over there. Oh,
2: man.
1: <laughs> hey, Kathy Francois says, "How do you?" How do you purpose to educate the masses on the importance? You mean of- propose? Yeah, I know you're looking up and looking down. I was right. Yeah. What did I say? Purpose?
2: Did I say purpose. Which okay. must be related to propose, but yeah, I'm not right. How do you propose? Sophisticated enough.
1: <laughs> yes. How do you propose to educate the masses on an important issue such as this? I mean, Star Talk is an amazing podcast, but everyone—it's uh, the best. It's totally. Okay, but not everyone wants to listen or learn. What'd you say? <laughs> you know, not everyone wants to listen or learn. How can we help spread the news to those who are less passionate about science? You know, this is a problem, I think, what what Kathy says here, I think is a problem for so many science-related issues, which is if you can motivate a mass awareness, then you can actually create a campaign to get those in charge to do something. So, Chuck, why do you do this podcast? Um, You're trying to change the world. This is
2: true. You're trying to make the world scientifically literate. In
1: my own little way, Yes. So,
2: uh, what I would say, Kathy, who is it? Kathy Francois. Kathy, Kathy, this is what we're doing here, is we're trying to change the world. We're trying to influence people. If you can spread the word about listening to Star Talk podcast, having the time of your life, then uh, it'll build in, in um, <laughs> cascade fashion, so uh, this is why Chuck and I do this job or this if, if this is a, this activity.
1: It's activity it
2: yes. is to get people excited about science, so that we'll have scientifically literate people, and especially scientifically literate voters, which it is to be hoped will lead to scientifically literate politicians. Yes, will make scientifically literately inform literately scientifically informed decisions. About our our use of intellect and treasure, so that we can dare I say it. Save the world. This is Star Talk All Star Edition. I'm your host, Bill
1: Nye, with Chuck Nice. We'll be
2: right back after
1: this. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you.
2: Hey, welcome back. Welcome back. Bill Nye here. Welcome back to Star Talk Cosmic Queries. Uh, I'm here with my co host, the remarkable and exciting Chuck Nice. Hey. And this is where we take your inquiries yes. from anywhere in the
1: cosmos. Anywhere in the cosmos.
2: And we do our best to provide you with a thoughtful, insightful, insightful thought <laughs> about the cosmos and
1: your query. There you go. Take, Take it, Chuck. Couldn't said better myself. I had, uh, I had some trouble. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, let me let me just uh, uh, read this one from Laurel Laurel Riffle. Here's what here's here's what she says. I don't have a question for you. I just want to thank you for inspiring my generation wow. and indirectly su- inspiring subsequent generations.
2: Oh, I love you, Laurel. There thank you go, you. man. And Laurel's uh, children. just thank wanted you. to
1: get that out of the way. I was I love like, you, man. there's really no I love place you, in the show for that, so let's just do it up front and you, you do just it. just put a place. I had to make a place for that. That's a great, great sentiment. Yes, thank you. Okay? And, and, and you know what? She is not alone, I have to tell you. Here's the best thing, guys. Going out with Bill Nye. And being on the street and then watching people go, oh, my God. Oh, my God. So What they mean is, oh, my entity. <laughs>
2: And I presume deity. I presume. Oh, deity. Oh, my deity. And all that
1: aside, no, it is very nice. Yeah, it's, very, it's a lot it's better very... than I hate you, you suck. <laughs> Here once in a while. There you go. Hey, Justin Codes wants to know this. What level of international cooperation would be required in order to defend the planet from an asteroid or comet? Is it even possible in today's climate of conflict when the world's governments can't even come together to combat climate change to get them to come together and combat this threat? Wow, that's a, that's a pretty deep question, man.
3: No,
2: but the answer is yes. How do you get to the International Space Station? On a Russian rocket. Mm-hmm. Okay, Sweet. how do you explore Mars with the inter- with cooperation from Japanese Aerospace Exploration, Roscosmos, mm-hmm. and uh, European Space Agency? That's how you do things. So there's a lot of inter- international cooperation when it comes to space. Right. Okay. Exploration.
1: Okay, so the
2: answer is yeah, pretty doable. This but right now i got to speculate that the search for asteroids will still be led by the us and national aeronautics space administration okay nasa <clears throat> but then the actual deflecting that'll be a team effort
1: i think so I so once we identify the problem which it'll be easier to get people to get on board once you identify oh man if right? you had
2: a real asteroid really coming yeah. you'd be really taking a meeting yeah. you don't want to send bruce Willis. i mean he's a <laughs> fine guy but you don't want to blow it up.
1: You just want to give it a nudge, because if you blow it up, there's a chance you'll make it worse. Right. So just give it a nudge. But you do want an Aerosmith soundtrack while it's happening.
2: Okay. Uh, can you
1: provide that? Uh, not really. <laughs>
2: <laughs> do we have to pay royalties if I whistle that No,
1: no. And I knew it was Dude Looks Like a Lady, too, so not bad. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I did what I could. Yeah. All right. Jay William Bosch wants to know this. What is the probability that whatever we do... Could make matters
2: worse. It's funny you should bring that up right after that little commentation that I commented. Mm -hmm. That Yeah, you don't want to make it so that you accidentally have a piece of it that's going even faster and going to hit the Earth earlier in its orbit, which is apparently a possibility. Mm. Only if the asteroid is really close and there really isn't time to give it a nudge, then you'd blow it up. That's when you'd blow it up yeah, but we just don't want to do that, everybody. And plus, it takes a tremendous amount of energy trying to blow up a rock right. planet. right It's I mean, I know people how about do it those... in science fiction, but in real life, it's a, a real space. It's a hard thing.
1: Um, now, and, and what, but this would have to be an asteroid because now some comets are like marshmallowy, right? right? So, Even worse. Oh, <laughs> you're like well, How
2: do you blow up a marshmallow? <laughs> you're just going to get more marsh and mellow. More marsh and more mellow.
1: You're, you're not really going to change anything. Right. Okay. So there you go. <clears throat>
2: uh...
1: Okay, uh-oh.
2: Okay, wait, he was ready, then he, he stopped
1: himself. Yeah, you guys I, stumped him somehow. I, I, you stumped me because your name was on a different page, J.D. Provost. Uh, J.D., what is J.D.'s inquiry? J.D. says this, to the great one, Bill Nye. Oh, there I have been seeing talking. a few stories about ground-based lasers being used to hit asteroids millions of miles away to change their trajectory. Is this tech realistic, or is it even possible?
2: Uh, it's really hard. So what, one of the things we are considering is putting uh, a reflective surface on an asteroid. Mm. So sunlight would hit it and give it a little nudge. The right. pressure of photons, the momentum of photons, even though they have no mass. right? They have momentum, and it would nudge the asteroid ever so nudgically nudgingly. I believe you, uh, you have a little thing called a solar sail that Solar sail the same has thing. been discussed, yes. Uh, and so trying to keep the beam of a laser on the asteroid shooting from the Earth or the far side of the moon... Is not trivial. I'm not saying it couldn't be done. And you could do it, let's say, every month. The moon goes around the Earth and bzz, you'd zzz, zap it right. for a few Earth days or weeks. And then the moon would go on the other side and you'd wait. That's possible. But uh, more likely is to go out there and change the reflectivity of the asteroid. Mm. And by the way, one of the things that makes asteroids hard to track is this Tchaikovsky effect where they reflect sunlight while they're spinning. So some sides of the asteroids are shiny. Other sides are darker. Mm-hmm. Some sides of the asteroid have poc- potholes and don't reflect very well. Other sides of an asteroid might be smoother and more reflective.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So they're spinning very slowly in space. And so they change their directory uh, directories, trajectories depending on how light is hitting them and how they're rotating.
1: So it's one more... Oh wow, that's a, just a, makes it a yeah, little tricky. a little more tricky. Because, and so you yeah. got to
2: track them. You got to track them yeah. good. Track them well. Everything I said spaces. track them good for comedic effect. All that's right, Romarians right. out there,
1: track them good. That's right. Am right. All right, here we go. Uh, Natalie Wilcox says, hi, Bill. Uh, have you heard of the Comet Research Group? Do you believe, as they do, that we need to be paying more attention to the torrid meteor stream and that it poses uh, a threat to us annually? Also, what do you think about their research regarding the cataclysmic impact events that potentially took place 12,800 years ago? Thank you. Uh, something to be concerned about.
2: <laughs> but whether or not that spe- specific me- specific comet trail that induces that specific uh, meteor shower, whether that's a big concern, I'm not an expert on. I don't know. But okay. But was there a substantial meteoric impact uh, 12,800 years ago? Sure. Yeah. Okay. We had one at Chelyabinsk that could have been a big deal. We had one in Tunguska. Which could have? I mean, if the if the Tunguska event in 1908 had landed on Paris, that would be the end of Paris. That would have been the end of Paris. I mean, that's it. Or the or Poughkeepsie. What did mm-hmm. I mention earlier? Kansas City. It would be done. So it, there's nobody in control of this right now. If these one of these objects comes in, they're very hard to see. Mm-hmm happens in a moment
1: so now the uh how big was the object that came in uh just recently Chelyabinsk? and in russia
2: uh, it was uh, they people say 25 meters 30 meters really not even that big you know God. like as big as your, smaller than your house yeah i was gonna say that's not a big meter apartment size thing it's just they're going so fast right they have so much energy that uh, they're going at least 11 kilometers a second, which is escape velocity. So
1: Now, as another question, because I, I haven't—I've gone through all of these, and so I don't see anybody ask this, so I'm just going to ask Chuck, them. you're the host of this—the co-host of this show. Yeah, so I, could, I get to So ask. lay it on us, man. So um, is there—you know, when this asteroid hits— Okay, of course the impact. We know what that does. We do. (laughs) That's bad. But the first impact is actually with the atmosphere. That's right. So, what exactly does that do? You're such a nerd. I love you, man. So, in the case of Chelyabinsk, you know, there
2: was a sonic boom or a series of sonic booms. Right. Hit the ground. People hear the sonic booms. They look up. They see the streak in the sky. Uh, I mean rather, they see the secret dog on it. they see the streak in the sky first,, right. and they go there 's a streak in the sky well it 's not going to hit me i 'll relax and Three minutes later, the sonic boom hits the ground and Ooh. blows out all the windows, all the windows. and that 's why there were so many, apparently a thousand injuries, yeah. substantial sutures and stuff, yeah, people standing near glass windows and glass very strong uh sonic boom hit the the ground and blew all the windows into everybody's face it was a surprising result that you just wouldn't think of right the first time it happened. it's really interesting so if you
1: see a streak in the sky you better you got, get some a couple safe. minutes to get out of the glass to get out of the glass yeah yeah
2: wow as the old saying goes by analogy to earthquakes earthquakes don't kill people buildings kill people right, right. that's right so uh, meteorites that uh, me- uh, that cause sonic booms don't hurt people. Glass windows hurt people. This is an analogy, everywhere. Right, right. Not, not you know, this an aphorism. It's not uh, going to direct your entire life. <laughs> something to think about. <laughs> you see the big streak, there are three minutes, there might be a big sonic boom. <laughs> there it you could go. blow all the windows. It
1: did blow the windows out. Wow. Yeah, lead on. All right. Nathan Emily says. Hello, Dr. Nye. What are the plans to put into orbit a satellite whose sole job is to watch the skies 24 hours a day in all directions?
2: All directions is the tough part, but NEOWISE is the satellite uh, that does that. And we want to build follow-ons, okay. do more awning of following. But watching 24-7, it does watch 24-7, but not the entire sky. It, it points to different places. And is that because there's... just limitations. It's just So there's... You. you can't look in every direction at once. No. Although your wife has eyes in the back of her
1: head. Ah, there you go. <laughs> that was it. Uh, anyone? <laughs> I was going with my mom, but, you uh, know, it's the same thing. At well, they, they're in. I've all. been married long enough that it's the same thing. They got they have slideshows on Tuesdays <laughs> where they talk about how to mess with you. Right. Uh, so let me ask you. <clears throat> pardon a me. Squeaky situation. Here. Yes. Is... Is there a likelihood of any, of a direction from which an asteroid will come, or or will we just be blindsided? I'm not an
2: expert, but I would speculate uh, no, oh, it, except it's probably going the same direction we are around the sun. Aha. You know what I mean? Right, right. Because the cosmic disk, mm-hmm. the primordial disk of dust that formed us uh, would have a, a, a particular a net direction. Right. So here's the thing, everybody— you have a big a bunch of cosmic dust four and a half billion years ago, and it has, even if it's dust, it has gravity. Mm-hmm. In fact, if you've ever observed dust on a bookshelf, one of the little insights that Isaac Newton had well, okay. was that not only does the Earth have gravity that's pulling the dust down, the dust must needs have ever so slight bit of gravity that's ever so slight pulling the Earth up. They're mutually attracted, right? Mutually so attracted. Cosmic dust comes together, it's going to have, it will not be perfectly balanced. It's like a cloud. There'll be bulges and bubbles. And so it ends up with a net, as we say, angular momentum. It ends up with a net spin. spin right. And here we are. With, that resolves itself into a big disk. Mm-hmm. People do mathematical models of this. And you get little swirl pools, and that becomes like the planet Earth. Cool. And here we are. Here we are. Swirling and pooling. And now you
1: know your history.
2: Of, of how you got here of the solar system it yeah. okay. really is an so, amazing insight so we are made of cosmic dust we are made of stardust mm-hmm. so we are chuck you and i are one of the ways the cosmos knows itself sweet that to me is just is, hey gives me the shaky wakes it makes me feel like i have purpose well, Chuck. You don't, Finally,
1: yeah, fine, yeah. <laughs> You're like Chuck. Let's, don't, don't let's not, not get, get crazy. Yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. not get carried away, Chuck. <laughs> no. I know. The three uh, kids are your purpose. That's what you do, man. On that one. All right. Steve Andrews wants to know this: If the Earth was in danger of an asteroid strike today, yes, could we protect ourselves? I mean, okay, like this afternoon kind of thing. Well, no, not like we find out today. Yeah, asteroid is. When's on it going to show way. Up? On the way. Um, I don't know. So I'll put. If it's thirty years from now, I'm if we discover like the, it today that right. it's going to hit us in thirty years, let's get to work. All right. So now I'm going to say I'm going to I'm going to modify Steve's uh, question. What is? It's a the friendly absolute, amendment. What is the? Yeah, it's a friendly amendment. What is the absolute shortest window that we could have as an think- alert? I think it's less taking.
2: than ten years. I think it's about 10 years. ten years. There are people I've been in meetings and seen scientific papers presented on this. It's about ten years. About ten years. Thirty is way better. Thirty is better, but ten we might be able to. We do might something. have a shot. We might have a shot. And that's a maybe. Okay. That's a maybe. Wow. All right. I mean, wow. I mean, so. I mean, ten years is not a long time. No. Yes. You think about it. Right. You know. No. You can't build a highway, you can't build a big dig in Boston in 10 years, let alone build a <laughs> spacecraft that no one's ever thought of and go out and deflect an asteroid in deep space and get everybody in the world to take your word for it that you're really doing it. That's wicked hard, Especially when you put... Some explosive on it to give it some pressure wave in space, and everybody's taking your word for it that you're putting this enormous nuclear weapon on top of a rocket for the good of all humankind <laughs> rather than for some nefarious weaponizing of space.
1: I can see where you might have a problem. So, you'd maybe a few need people. international treaties with
2: normal people who can. Const- conduct statecraft in traditional
1: ways. Okay, and very quickly on top of that. Just thinking out loud. Do we have in place any international protocol in case something like this happens?
2: Well, we have the International Space Treaty from Uh, 1967, which mumbles about this, (laughs) but when it's really time, that's when we're really gonna have to have agreements, and who's gonna build the rocket, and who's gonna launch it, and who's gonna track it, and who's gonna take uh, responsibility for it. It's all so exciting. As is all of All Star Star Talk. Uh, and I'm your host, Bill Nye, along with Chuck Nice. And you and I will be back after this.
3: Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24 7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application.
1: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun...
3: We've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by Chev and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Welcome
2: back. Welcome back to Star Talk All Star Edition. I'm your All Star host, Bill Nye. I'm here with the remarkable. And charming, Chuck Nice. Oh, thank you, Bill. And the two of us are gonna do our best to address your cosmic queries. These will be inquiries from anywhere, Chuck. Anywhere. Anywhere in the cosmos. That's right. You could be out there, you could be in the icy north polar region of Mercury. Wow. And if you can transmit to us a question that's parsable in English onto the electric internet, yep. we will do our we
1: are right here for We're you. Right here Mercurian for you. Mm-hmm. We will Person. not be able to provide you with thermal underwear, though.
2: Well, you figure if you're there with Internet access, you probably, you're probably have some good on that, warm right? clothes. Probably good on the... On the on and something <laughs> to breathe. Something to
1: breathe and some thermals to keep you toasty. So
2: hit, hit us with the... Today, by the way, if you're just rejoining us, um, we're talking about planetary defense. Yes. Keeping the Earth from getting hit with a cosmic impactor. A fascinating subject. It really is, and it's important. And important. It's near and dear to us at the Planetary Society, the world's largest non-governmental space interest organization, of which I'm the CEO, <laughs> because this is our old mission. Carl Sagan, when I was in his class, mm-hmm. in the disco era, would talk about the Tunguska event,
0: mm-hmm.
2: where 19, oh, June 30th in the modern calendar, uh, 1908, Tunguska region of Siberia was hit with something. It blew down all the trees in a moment. And if that had happened in a big city, that would be the end of the big city. Yeah. be it. And so since then, uh, long after Carl Sagan's class, uh, Chelyabinsk, also in Russia, got with a big sparky thing. hmm And a much smaller event, but nevertheless recorded on countless cameras. And so it's something to think about. Don't want to get hit
1: with an asteroid. No, you don't. With that said, Chuck... Welcome back to the show, listener. And and those two events make me think that maybe Russia should be a little more involved in this. The thing you
2: keep in mind about Russia, uh, first of all, let's say we take the Earth and divide it in half by hemispheres. Mm -hmm. It's going to hit one hemisphere or the other. (laughs) Okay. It's one and two. Then Russia takes up nine time zones. Yes. It's Uh, a third of the... It's more than a third of the world, right? So or that former Soviet Union. So if it's going to hit someplace, it's likely it's to likely hit. Likely to hit there, yeah.
1: yeah. There or the
2: Pacific. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's yeah, about that's it. True fact, not a yeah, false. There fact. you go. All right. When I say true fact. That's a joke, everybody.
1: Ha ha. ha. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to Anna. Anna. Anna Bacon. Uh, the Doomsday shows. Uh, shows, but about asteroids. Let me just start this. Yeah, just do it
2: without the. The, yeah. the breaks between every, every word. word that I slow talkers yeah. of America exactly.
1: Yeah. Okay, so Anna Bacon says this: the doomsday shows about asteroids always have it hitting the planet. But what would happen if the asteroid passed between the Earth or the Moon, or if it hit the Moon instead of the Earth? Well, we've we've
2: photographed asteroids hitting the Moon. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, small ones. Asteroids are manageable ones. Yeah. And asteroids have passed closer to the Earth than the moon's orbit. That's happened. Right. 2012, I believe, is the last one. Mm-hmm. So if you like to worry about things, this is, a great, this is great for you. Right. <laughs> so but so far, the ones that have passed that
1: close have been relatively small. Right. So now this is a – let's take a, like, extinction-level size uh, object. All right. Listen to your fluency. Hey, extinction-level size. How big is extinction level size? (laughs) Let's 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 go with something like apophis. All right, apophis, which is
2: the Greek named for
1: the Greek god of anxiety, (laughs) which is perfect. Uh, And uh, hits the keyhole, barrels towards Earth, instead plows into the moon. Uh, I guess it would
2: be troublesome moon-wise. But I don't think what th- would, would... that do anything to us? I don't think so. I'm sure. I am sure people have run this computer model.
1: Okay, okay. Uh,
2: but I don't know it. So I imagine it would just disturb the orbit of the moon okay. uh, rather than... Uh, it's almost certainly would not be catastrophic life ending on the moon because the moon seems <laughs> to be lifeless. But that's a great question, and I'm sure people have run that test. And then would it deflect... You know, the moon is slowly spiraling away from us. Yes. Could it be hit hard
1: enough to start slowly spiraling toward us? I don't know. I don't think so. Like a pool table. That'd be... Not awesome, what am I talking about? That'd be the end of all of us? Well, not right away. You'd probably have several millennia to yeah. give it some thought. and you know what? And you'd have some
2: really beautiful nights in the meantime, yeah, and I just shudder to think of all the babies that would I just can't even yeah, just be it would be
1: wild <laughs> all right, all right, here we go. This is Ian Coleman, and Ian says this, Hey, Bill. Huge fan here. I was wondering about the possibility of NASA's controversial EM drive being something that could actually work. Apparently, leaks have confirmed that this is the least moving, it's at least moving along well. And um, they're even saying that it may work. Could we use this in planetary defense? Uh, I don't know what an EM drive is. Electromagnetic? What's that? No, it's. um...
2: Now, there's ion drives. And there's this nuclear weapon idea where so, you explode a nuclear weapon behind your spacecraft every few seconds for a
0: mm-hmm.
2: while to get and get these pressure waves of particles that push you through space. But I don't know what he means by EM drive if he means
1: electromagnetic. No, I think it's supposed to be some kind of um, new rocket engine. It's
2: well, that's a, why I mentioned a, the a nuclear rocket. thing. Yeah. Uh, then the other one that we're all hot for is... Uh, solar electric propulsion, SEP, uh, solar electric module. So this is where you have something like xenon in a liquid form. Ooh. Put in a big scuba tank there on your spacecraft. Ah. Use solar power from, from photovoltaic panels. Okay. To make electricity. Ionize, strip the uh, electrons off the xenon, have a, a, a grid akin to a window screen and shoot the xenon out the back of the spacecraft really, really, really fast. And we do that. We have ion drives right now. Just everybody wants to build a big one, a really big one. (laughs) And it takes a lot of xenon, but the other thing, it takes a lot of electricity. And when you get things that big in space, it's just getting everything in alignment is tricky. But here's the idea. Mm -hmm. Although each atom of xenon or argon or whatever inert gas you're going to use, Element you're going to use, although it is very low mass, each individual atom they're going so fast, okay, twenty four seven out the back of the spacecraft that you can go really really fast. Much faster is generally presumed than you can with just a regular chemical rocket, because it never stops, right? Z- so it's 20... on all the time. Z- that's that's actually Z- cool. And we use ion drives, but we want to, people want to
1: build a really big one. Okay, all right. All right, so this is Jason Leber. Jason says this. Using asteroids to destroy asteroids. Whoa. That's, like, so out there. <laughs> Select one
2: asteroid so its gravity nudges an astro- another asteroid. Yeah, that, right. my friend Chuck, that would be two words. <laughs> Rocket science. Rocket right science.
1: There. Yes. Yeah. Harnessing asteroids in a planetary-like orbit, keeping them uh, on a proverbial lease until we need to crash them into an oncoming oh, asteroid. That's hard. That's pretty hard. Another uh, idea for you, for you
2: asteroid buffs mm-hmm. is go to an asteroid with a big enough solar panel and... Yet to be figured out system to dig up the ice off the asteroid or comet Terry body comet-like body, mm-hmm. volatile zap cook the ice into liquid water and then into hydrogen and oxygen H2O. Oh, using electricity over months or years. Right. Then when you need to deflect an asteroid, you recombine those into
1: rocket fuel. So- And now the the asteroid has its its own rockets.
2: Or you take your rocket from one icy asteroid to the one you want to deflect, all out there in deep orbital space. Right. That is rocket science, people. It's cool to speculate, but a quite difficult thing to do. Now, you know what is at some level difficult, but at another level so much fun? What's that? The lightning round. Oh! And the lightning round now has a... A a rubber chicken with a pneumatic system that makes it crow, except that's surprising use of that verb, makes it it chicken, makes it roost, makes it... uh, Yes. Gobble. No, uh, it makes it make a sound.
1: It, it, yes. So let's take a question in the lightning round, Chuck, who's sense. thoroughly and charmed by uh, Devina the chicken. Yes. Devina, I'm such a I'm such a juvenile person. What can I say? Y'all we are we're, yes. we're guys. Let's get right to the lightning round with NASA. More likely losing funding, which will likely, uh, which will likely happen. Uh, which agency of defense, will we see an increased budget for, uh, for like, SETI, or will Russia or Japan increase uh, funding to their native program? Well, here's the thing. Uh, without U.S.
2: investment in rockets, mm-hmm. Roscosmos, the Russian space agency, doesn't have as many rockets to sell don't sell as many rockets. So their agency goes down. Japan is working all the time to maintain its space agency because they have other concerns there. And Japan's populace is shrinking and people there are freaking out about, are we going to have enough workers in the future? And so they're going to have to allow immigration. Well, so it's crazy. But with that said, uh, the talk is taking earth science out of NASA and putting it into NOAA. And if, they, if it was the Zero sum, that is to say if they really just transferred money rather than slashing, 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 everything would be okay. Chuck, what do you think the chances are of everything being okay in the next four years? (laughs)
1: Let's take another one. Let's take another one. Here we go. Um, Alan... Pelasco says, Mr. Nye, how deep should I build my bunker and how much food and water should I store since the only other option is to try to get a front row seat? Uh, To an asteroid impact? To an asteroid impact. As much as you want. Carry on. (laughs) There you go. Uh, Chris Murchison says this, uh, which is more feasible, trying to figure out how to stop the impact or learning how to survive one. Surviving,
2: I think, is a stone drag. I guess that's a pun. I don't think you can survive a <laughs> catastrophic asteroid impact where the ecosystem around the world has been completely upset. A small one that just makes tsunamis, just makes tsunamis, just and just devastates sense. a few coastal cities, okay, maybe. Right. But a, a dinosaur-killing ancient asteroid type thing, nope. Nope, carry on.
1: Get about it, huh? Wow. There you go. So really, prevention is it, or we're just That's it. Well, sure,
2: yes. It's a low probability, high right consequence event
1: man man Woo. John Parker We shook him up We shook him up I, You did shake me up man John Parker says this Mr. Nye Would it be feasible To send some oil rigs Roughnecks Armed with nuclear warheads And minimal <laughs> training To an asteroid To blow it up If so What would be the actual Outcome in your opinion It wouldn't work We'd get uh, Another piece of asteroid
2: On a different trajectory That would be just As much trouble
1: Boom There you go James Peters Would like to know this uh, Hey Bill Can we we use sonic technology to break them up. There's no air in space to
2: ah. transmit sounds. However, fluid mechanics is such that the particles coming off a nuclear blast can be modeled uh, like a sound wave. It's a different Ooh. thing, but if you're saying really sound. No nah, real sound.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but a sound wave model. Like that thing. Okay, there you go. Um I just got to read this just to read it. I'm sorry. Read it. We got a minute. Here we go. Willie Kutzel says, hello, Dr. Nye. We need science in Guatemala. Please help. Uh,
2: So to that end, the Planetary Report, we're trying to get it translated into Spanish. So it'll be a little easier for Guatemalan uh, subscribers to enjoy, both on our website and the paper magazine. So we're doing our best. To the north to uh, enable our neighbors to the south to know and appreciate the cosmos and our place within it. Nice. I'm going to give
1: that a chicken scream. Ah! 30 seconds, Chuck. There we go. Nick Fifield says, I love you. Could we use solar sails uh, and an army of solar sails to effectively turn a meteor into a space slave?
2: Well, sort of. So what do we do is drape solar sail material onto the asteroid and change its... Trajectory. The other thing we want to do is use lasers powered by sunlight to zap the asteroid and cause it to deflect. That's it for our show on Cosmic Queries of Star Talk. It's Chuck Nice here with your guest, all star host Bill Nye. This has been Star Talk. Please keep looking up. Ah!
3: Listening to your favorite podcast?